Hi everyone. Welcome to Real World Parenting, tips and scripts for parents on roads less traveled. I'm Dr. Laura Anderson, a child and family psychologist, and I'm glad you're here. As you settle in to listen, let me reassure you that you are in the right place. If you're a loving parent looking for answers and encouragement, and maybe even a chuckle amidst hard things. If you're a loving parent who's raising a child on a journey different from your own as a child, and are seeking a compass as you navigate uncharted waters. This is the place for you if you get the theory of parenting advice you keep hearing, but for the love of chocolate and curry and all other nearly perfect things, that theory never quite works as planned with your actual children. Finally, you are in exactly the right place if you're a therapist or clinician who works with kids, teens, and families. My intention is that these episodes will deepen your work and change lives. So in this intro, I get two to three minutes here to boil down 30 years of work in my psychology offices and my experience as a mom in the trenches and let you know what I'll offer with this podcast. I almost called it Lessons from Our Living Rooms or Couch Conversations because my offerings will be things I have learned and keep learning from the vantage point of both my living room couch and my therapy office couch. The aim of this podcast is to offer hope, support, wisdom, and experience in community to provide clinicians a window into what our recommendations actually mean for real families in real life. We will talk all things kid and teen related and shine a spotlight on families navigating identities related to race, gender, and adoption. We will explore common child and adolescent mental health and wellness related topics. The hope is to leave you with a greater understanding of your child's needs and a, you got this, energy. Episodes will also feature actual practical tips and answers to questions including, well, what do I say when and what do I do when, so that you feel equipped to handle the day-to-day parenting puzzles we face. So pour yourself a cuppa or lace up some shoes or hide in your busy parent bathroom for a bit and join me for head and heart conversations about loving and living with children walking past less often traveled. Have I mentioned I'm glad you're here? I trust that you'll be glad. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. I am so glad you are here, and I am really honored to be welcoming Dr. Liz Engoff. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this week, Dr. Liz and I are going to talk about something that both of us agree is super um, important in this world of kids and schools and kids as humans learning. And we know there are a lot of families with young folks navigating how to understand learning profiles. When some things are easy for kids and other things are hard, when is there a predictable pattern in how kids learn? So we know there are lots of folks out there seeking assessments. Um, from people, professionals, to help them understand the way their child learns and to help them sort of maximize, like to make school as rewarding and as feel-good and successful as possible. And listeners, we are really, really lucky today to have Dr. Liz with us. Tell us a little bit about your experience in this area. Sure, sure. I... Um, and I'm an educational psychologist. I have a, a specialty in school neuropsychology. And so I focus on assessment. And the last couple of years, I have gotten really, really excited and invested in helping kids 
understand how their brains work. Because I think we spend a lot of time, we, we have been spending more time in our field thinking about how we you know, present results at school meetings or how we make our reports more readable. Um, we even talk about really how to talk to parents in a way that's more understandable, but we have not been talking about how we talk to kids. And what we know is that when kids don't know, kids have always have an idea that something's different. Yeah. Even if we don't, you know, we, there's sometimes there's like worry about talking to them about what's going on. Cause, ah, what is it going to do to their self-esteem? Will they feel a stigma? Will they feel a label? And what we're learning is that actually kids always have a sense that something is different. And when we don't talk to them, they start developing their own narratives about what's going on. And those narratives are often really negative and they can be harmful. And when we talk to adults who have, you know, these histories or who are diagnosed much later, there's such relief in a feeling of validation when you have a name for your experience and when you know that other people have also had similar experiences. Um, and so it actually helps with self-esteem. It helps with identity. It helps kids really feel like they can be grounded in something and that it's not their fault. There's nothing broken. Um, I just work differently. And actually the way that I work is pretty cool because it <laughs> makes me see the world differently. So I have been super focused on how do we have that conversation in a really intentional way that brings about that result. Like, oh, okay, I do this differently and that's okay. And actually awesome. As opposed to, you know, kind of the the secrecy or or the shame that can come with trying to navigate in a world that wasn't built for you. Ah, I can't, I've got like goosebumps. I almost want to cry. <laughs> like, no, I mean, it's so beautiful to think about that way. Cause so many, there, there's, there's such trepidation, I think often in approaching such hesitance and like, it's going to hurt my child more to have this named. Is it going to to the school, right? And then is it going to hurt them even more to have it named to them? I don't want them to feel broken, right? Over and over again. I don't want them to feel that that there's a name for what's wrong with them. And and yet, as you have so eloquently said, it's it can be really, if done with intention, be really empowering for kids and help them find a more positive narrative because the other ones that I've seen happen are, I mean, for, you know, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I can't learn, everybody's smarter than I am. And that's kid brain language, right? When you're dealing with younger kids, they boil things down to gross oversimplifications. And it's like, right. I'm, that's the smart kids reading group. Um, that's the, right? Like they say right. stuff like that where you're, it's categorical. There's still really black and white thinking. And, and then for the little ones, parents are afraid of introducing the idea that something's wrong. And for the older ones, I also see parents like, well, I don't want them to rebel against it. I don't want them to use it as an excuse. Like I hear a lot of these uh, things. So, so I'm, today I just want to pick your brain about like, what, how can parents come away from the assessments for their child with, with nuggets, with with ways to talk to their kid about it, with ways to ask the school, like what are some key nuggets that parents, how can they interact with the assessor? How can parents come prepared 
to the feedback session or to the assessment process <laughs> with some <laughs> questions that means that this can actually really be a wonderful opportunity for a family rather than something that people feel shy or, or ashamed or whispery about? That's a good question. Yeah, so there's actually um, kind of four pieces in the way that I think about this. And so um, the first is how we approach assessment and even talk to our kids about an assessment. So if you've already had an assessment, you know, as a, as a parent, um, then we'll, we'll get to that point. But if you're going into an assessment or your child's up for reevaluation, um, the, um, how we talk to kids about what's about to happen actually really sets the stage for how we're gonna process the information later. Um, and so um, one of the things I actually, we didn't talk about my website, but I have a website called brainbuildingbook.com. Um, so brainbuildingbook.com. Um, and there's a parent tools section. And one of the handouts there is how to prepare your kids for testing. Um, and this has some language in it about presenting assessment as a discovery process, like as a getting in there's some, some um, snippets in there of things that you can say to your child or you can riff on and make them your own <laughs> to really set this up as a discovery process, um, how to help your kids ask their own questions um, things that they want to be better about their lives, things that they wish were different or they could change. So they're going in with their own question. And they're, they're also going in with a sense of curiosity as opposed to a, like, let's find out what's wrong with you process, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, we're really um, kind of modeling the curiosity. So there's some language in there for parents to say things like, you know, I've noticed you've been working so hard at math and we did that tutoring and it's still not helping and I am, you're still struggling. And I'm just so curious what I could do differently to, to help you. And I'd really like to know, cause I see you're working hard. I see that some things are clicking and there's other things that aren't. And I'm just really curious about it. Yeah. Um, and your kid's been there in the tutoring. They know that there's, there's a problem there. So we can identify kind of a shared problem or goal that we're on. And you might have concerns as parents that your child's not aware of, but they're um, finding the thing that you're both curious about is really helpful. Cause then the child goes into the assessment with full transparency. Oh, we're trying to figure something out. Yep. And I have my own question and I'm going to ask more questions. If you have an older child, they might have questions they don't want to tell you about. Yeah. <laughs> and they can have their own private questions, yes. but setting it up as that kind of curiosity, I think is really, really important. That's huge. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that I do during assessment, uh, so this is the second piece, is really trying to help kids develop their own language around how to talk about their strengths and challenges. So their lived experience. Um, and so when they've, you know, completed some kind of task to ask them, you know, just to ask them, um, uh, just flat out, what was that like for you? You know, like, like I noticed you had a lot of energy during that task. You like, like you seem to have a good time. Can you tell me more about that? Does it remind you of anything that you do in the real world? Right? Like, let's pinpoint your strengths. Did you use any strategies when you did that? Um, and that's helping to kind of bring out all of their strengths and their agency. And then um, when things don't go well, what didn't you like today? 
you know, I, I noticed you kind of put your head down on the table um, and refuse to do any writing. What's up? You know, to use all of those as opportunities to understand, like, what is shutting this kid down? What is making things so difficult? Um, you know, I mentioned your your friends and you got really excited. You know, I mentioned your teachers and you, you know, kind of turned around and brought the conversation somewhere else. What's up? What's going on? You know, like, can we can we understand how you're experiencing the world? Um, and so, you know, some evaluators will be doing this, but as a parent, you can also, as you're reflecting with a child, ask them about the testing. What did they do? What did they like? What didn't they like? And to try and figure out what was it about that task that really made it the good kind of challenging or made it the bad kind of challenging. Yeah. What was boring, you know, like what did they feel good about? And that's helping you understand and kind of get some language so that when you turn around to share the results with them, you know how they're thinking about things. Nice. Um, and um, and I, I use, um, so, so the, the third piece yeah. is kind of sharing with kids the results, right? Mm -hmm. And um, when I think about the findings of my assessment, I think about them using a metaphor, construction metaphor. And so our brains, you know, they work using these cells called neurons and neurons connect with each other. They send messages between each other. And when we do, when, when things come easily to us, what's happening in the brain is that these pathways are really well-defined. The messages are going really fast. So you can kind of think of them as a highway where cars go really fast, you know, like a highway that has no traffic. You can go 70 miles an hour, you know, <laughs> and then you have the freedom of the road and you can just go. And then there are things that are challenging. And the thing that we know about brains is that they're plastic and they're ever evolving. And so you can think of these not as roadblocks, but actually as construction zones. They're places where you're building a connection. And if that connection is there, but kind of tenuous or weak, then you'll have to go a little slower, just like you would have to go slowly on a back road or a road that had some potholes in it. Um, you're kind of navigating, trying to figure out how to get there. Um, and so we can look at those, those areas that are harder and think, okay, how do we build this skill? Or how do we find a different road? Because if this road always has traffic on it, we want to find the other route to get to our destination. So that might mean using an accommodation. It might mean for dyslexic kids using audiobooks. It's just a different road to get to the same goal. We want to have the experience of a good book and, and <laughs> comprehending and being able to access the world. It doesn't matter if I take this reading text road or if I take this audiobook road, I'm going to get to the same destination. So we need to know how we're going to build these things. And then when we talk to kids, we can talk about their strengths or their highways and the things that are under construction, which gives them that idea that, oh, this is something I'm building, not something that's broken. Uh, yeah, that is so, that's an awesome, I and, and metaphors are, I mean, it's most of what I do in my kid work, honestly, is to figure out how to do a kid-friendly metaphor for anxiety or inattention or whatever. And if you've got learning challenges piece in that, in a way that gives the family and the child a shared language that is kid-friendly and that is, that is, again, you know, it's hopeful. It's like we can... We can build that and some construction sites 
finish faster. Like some develop at different rates. So this one may take a little bit more of a specialized crew. Like, okay. Exactly, exactly, exactly. We need a new tool. We need a new crew. We need new, you know, so I think, um, and, and every kid has had some experience with getting from point A to point B, B in some kind of vehicle. So we can, um, we can use that experience and it doesn't have to be, you know, it's, um, it's a metaphor that I use with very young children up through adults, actually, because teenage, you know, older teenagers and adults, we can, we can say, you know, like, okay, let's just think of it in this way and imagine it like this. Let's give you a visual. Um, the, the metaphor really applies no matter how old you are, because the experience of being stuck in traffic is something that we have all had. Um, so, or, you know, riding over a smooth road versus a bumpy, bumpy road on your right. scooter. If you're out in rural and, Maine where I grew up, it was the potholes <laughs> that you learned to steer around and, you know, that kind of a thing. Only have one tire hit the big pothole. <laughs> like there's all kinds of metaphors. I mean, and that's a good, a good yeah. riff, right? Like that you can say like, you learn how to drive on the road. Yeah. And like, like, and then, you know, like, it's not, it's not as you know how to go through, you know, you have to go slower on this part. And then you can go fast. I, I spoke to a, a, a young teenager this morning who was um, at her meeting. She was explaining dyslexia in the way that she understood it from our highways and construction zones work. Um, and she was she was saying exactly that. She says, I know it takes me longer to read. I don't mind that. I just don't want to have to do it in front of the class. Mm. I really just want the teacher to understand that like, like I will take, I'll, I, don't, I don't mind, I'll take the long road. I know it's worth it. It's just when you make me do that while everybody's watching, that's really, really hard. And what a beautiful way yeah. to to say it. Like, I understand this road's harder um, and I'm, I'm game to do it because I know that's my process and that's how I do it. Um, but let's just like advocate for myself so that I can make my school experience really positive. And we just like made some shifts for her. So she has a different, you know. She has a different role in the class. I won't go into it, but you know, it's it's um, using this this language. It's very accessible for kids to be able to then turn around and say, "This is what I need." Um, so, using that metaphor, um, even if your evaluator isn't using this, because I, you know, I recognize that that in a lot of evaluators, depending, you know, if you're in a school setting where things are, there's not a lot of time. Yeah. Um, or if you are um, in a hospital setting, I mean, there's there's not always time to have these deep conversations with kids. But as a parent, you can ask when you're you've already had those conversations about what was the testing like for you, and really asking what was hard, what was easy, what was frustrating. Did you use any strategies? Um, you start to hear your child's own language, and then you can turn around and ask the evaluator to help you translate the results mm. that you got into this language, you know, and it might sound something like, you know, I really want to share some of what we found with my child. Um, so I'm wondering if we can get a few nuggets, as you said, yes. <laughs> that I can share with them so that they know that, um, you know, they know what happened with this evaluation. They know that there was an outcome to what we did and they're not stuck wondering about this, this mystery that they have something yeah. that we can talk about. Um, and so I call this piece, the third piece is the no surprises. Like we don't <laughs> want to turn around and say, guess what kid, you have a working memory processing problem. And then they're like, ah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, it gets really overwhelming and it sounds very, 
you know, it can sound very pathologizing, you know, like, ah, I don't know what that is. So we're going to really try and use the child's own language and use this common language um, to explain it. And so um, what I, you know, I write a comprehensive report, but what I try and do is choose three to five highways mm -hmm. that I can put in little bullets to share with my child. And less is more. So yeah, yeah. Like, um, what are the key takeaways and, and, and how can, yeah, kids understand and advocate, right? Ultimately you're wanting to build kids skills to recognize when they learn their best. And as right. they grow, be able to advocate with, with confidence, advocating with the persistence that this rooster outside is. <laughs> I hear the rooster. I'm so sorry. Like, this is for those of my listeners, I'm in Hawaii. They crow whenever the sun is up. It's not even, you know, it's like when they notice the sun is up. This is particularly persistent. So, thank you for being able to stay focused in it. Hopefully, oh, I think they're exiting. <laughs> So, so yeah, so we want to, sorry to interrupt the flow, but Hey, you know, we, we go with the flow. The, exactly. So being able to come away when you're thinking about it, parents asking an evaluator or you as an evaluator, you think about making sure that there's three to five, um, key pieces that are, that the kids can do something with kids and families can expect to approach something differently, ask for something differently. Like Talk about those nuggets. Yeah. What does a nugget look so, like? So, the, so highways would be things that come easily that are things that we want to like really um, like cultivate and grow in this child. And so um, I'll, I'll give you the example for my, my kiddo today um, since, since, uh, uh, since she is on my mind. So um you know, she is, sorry, I just needed to bring it up. Here we go. All right. Um, so, so her things, um, her big strength is her executive functioning skills. She's very organized, has good attention. She's very flexible. She's a planner. Um, and those skills are not only just things that we can applaud about her, but it's something that, um, that is actually really helpful for her. Um, and teachers should know about her because she will take that extra time to read, right? Um, and, and it's a skill that we wanna identify um, because, because it's something that she can, she can really use to be at her full potential. Um, and I noticed that like with younger kids, it, like a lot of times we'll do a list and the list will go on and on and on because they really like hearing like all the stuff that they're awesome at. <laughs> teenagers, like young adolescents, young adolescents and, and teenagers, tend to feel like there's something up when you get too flowery about how awesome they are. They're like, yeah. uh, I know we're here because something's wrong. So that's why I say like three to five, like don't go overboard because we want to do things that are authentic. Like you are a hard worker yeah. and that is, that is not like an accident of your brain. Not everybody can like really push through the way you are doing that. Um, She's also on the testing, a super quick processor. And that was really important to, to point out like, so, and the way that I explained it is some things you understand really, really quickly. When it comes to words on the page, that is a much slower road and that's 
really frustrating because there's so many things that your brain picks up super, super quickly. Um, so that's called processing speed. I'm not going to tell a kid, you have really fast processing speed. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but we can talk about like, you know how when your teacher's talking about something and you get the concept right away and then you're bored for the next 10 minutes? She's like, oh yeah. <laughs> you, know, like, you pick up on things really, really quickly. Um, and then um, organizing people. Like like that um, kind of real world, like she did a, a big project, social justice project. And like, like let's, let's work on your leadership skills. So I want to highlight these things, like your persistence, yeah. your, um, your like quick processing or your, your, your quick understanding of a lot of things, uh, and then your leadership skills. And this is what we want to build on. So those are the big take homes. Nice. Um, and then there's the construction zones. And this is actually really important to identify, and I'll say one to three, depending on how old your kid is. And the construction zones, it's really important in the vein of no surprises that we're using language that the kid has already used. So when we've asked them, like, what was hard, what was challenging, what was frustrating, we can use those same words because um, I had an experience a couple of years ago where um, we were talking to the child about their anxiety because that was a diagnosis. Like, you know how you get really anxious about things? And he's like, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. I just feel rushed all the time. And just that little shift, if I had said, and then, and then it was like a, then we had to stop. And, you know, like he just kind of shut down. He's like, you don't get me. Like, you're trying to tell me something's wrong with me. Yeah. He hadn't used the word anxious or anxiety or nervous. He's like, everybody's pressuring me. So if I had gone into it, and now I know this, so you know, now I can go into it saying, okay, you know how you were saying you feel rushed all the time? I think we figured out why. Your brain really likes to take its time to understand things. And the teacher doesn't know that about you yet. So the teacher is trying to pressure you, and then you feel rushed. And most of the time when we feel rushed, it makes it even harder to figure out what to do. Is that your experience? Yes, that's my experience. And then we can come back around and say, you know what? That's actually has a name to it. That's actually, that's actually what anxiety feels like for a lot of people. And now he's going to be open to saying like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, that's what anxiety, oh, I didn't know that. But we don't even have to, you know, like yeah. we can, we can do that. We can use, like, we're going to work on the rushed problem. We're going to help your teacher not pressure you so much. And we're going to give you some tools for when you feel super rushed, yeah. um, for what to do about it. Cause we're using his words. And that common language thing comes up all across the veins of everything I do. Like, how can we, and when then we're a team. And then we're a team, not against the kid, not against the kid's behavior. It's like we're a team who is curious about and exploring how to find the smoothest roads to deal with this pressure situation, right? Like Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yes. And now we have the kid on board because they're like, yes, you're talking about the problem I have. I have a feeling rushed problem. Yeah. Uh, let's solve that. And now I'm on board. We're not going to convince a kid that they have they're anxious. a problem. <laughs> We got to start with where they're at and help them with the problem that they want to solve. And that's where this like shared language comes in. And so when, when, you know, you're asking an evaluator for some information, asking them, okay, what's getting in my kid's way? Like if we think about 
them like having places where they can travel the roads really smoothly. Like, how would you describe the things that are more construction zones or things that are making it hard for them? Um, and can we, can we figure out together what's going to be words that they've used before? Did you hear any words that they said during the testing that would like be their way of describing this? Or I've heard them say this, is that the same thing? Because your experience as a parent, you're going to have so much more of this that maybe you didn't know was significant before. But now that the, the you know, now that um, the practitioner is saying like, oh, they have a, a real difficulty with working memory. Like, you know, they do say sometimes that I just tell them, I give them too many chores. Yeah. And they get really mad at me that I keep like loading on more. Do you think that's related? Because we might be able to talk about the too many chores problem. Yeah, the overload, right? Like the, the list is too long. Kind of like what the list language is too long, right? are kids using? Or for like, I know with reading, we could, yeah, with reading, it's like my eyes get tired or I, I the eyes lose around or I don't see pictures when I read. Like I don't see any character. I don't, so, so, so yeah. How have you heard your kid describe what isn't working for them? And how does that relate to the testing? So that again, together, you're like, we're going to try to figure out some, <laughs> some detours to get around this tired eyes thing, buddy, right. you know, kind of a thing. Yes. Yeah. And the tools are a little more concrete, right? And so we can talk about when I, when I ask kids, like, what strategy did you use? I'm actually making a, a list usually in front of them of all the tools that we're using to to build these skills, right? So if a kid says like, oh, I was just imagining them in my head, then they say, oh, that's actually called visualization. That's a really good, that's a really good tool. I'm going to write that in your toolbox because um, we're going to come back to how we can use that in other ways. Um, and so we can use tools the child has talked about, but also introduce new ones. Like I'm going to start giving you um, some audio books that you can listen to while you're reading. That's a new tool you can use to, to do this, this reading road. Um, you're going to notice that you actually, um, we're going to give you a little bit of extra time on tests that you can come back, you know, during a different period to, to do more, um, because that way you can take your time on this road, um, and really, really do that. So, um, um, there is, um, on that same parent tools page, um, on the brainbuildingbook.com website, um, there's a little four part summary that just, it's just a piece of paper divided in four sections and it has highways, construction zones, helpful words, which might be the diagnosis like dyslexia, or might be just a sophisticated term, like executive functioning skills, if that's what we're working on. It kind of gives kids a sense of like, oh, there's a term for this, like I'm not alone. Yeah. And then a place for their tools and their construction crew. So you can kind of list the things and they're small boxes so that you're, you're encouraging your evaluator to give you those little nuggets. And so that you're encouraging yourself to do just little bullets, um, you know, for bite-sized pieces. And then it's not overwhelming to the, the child. And, and it really, again, it really helps too with the translation of this stuff into the classroom because teachers certainly are going to have more exposure to broadly speaking to words like, uh, processing speed and working memory and visual integration, but 
at the end of the day, it's more about like during the writing tasks, you're going to get the most from this kid if, or here's the way that this child's memory works the best. If you can put words and pictures together, they're going to remember a lot more. Like it just, it boils it down to like on a Tuesday in the classroom during. (laughs) What do I do? Teachers love this four part summary, by the way. Because they are not going to read the report. They might read the report. It's a lot to process. We write our reports for so many different audiences. It's just, there's just a lot in there. And so having this four-part summary is just really helpful for teachers just to get a snapshot of, okay, I get it now. Um, And having, and for a teacher to have the child's language and way of explaining and to have this metaphor so we have a common language is super helpful also because now the kid is seeing a unified team of like, oh, okay, I'm not broken. There's construction zones. Everybody's working on it together. Um, and, and we're going to get there. You know, we have a plan together. Yeah. And that's the fourth piece, which is the ongoing conversation. Because no matter what, no matter how magical your conversation is with your child, they are not going to understand their brain in one conversation. That's not how learning works. That's not how we work. We need repetition and we need to figure out like, oh, and how does it apply in this situation? And how does it apply now that I'm eight and not six? How does it apply now that I'm 15? How does it apply now that I'm going to college? So we're, we're using this shared language so that we can continue the conversation over time and keep adding to it as the child develops um, so that they really were looking at lifelong developing and understanding. And now that evaluation that you did has repercussions, positive repercussions throughout their their years. Um, and then the next time that they're evaluated, now they're like, okay, I want to check in on my, you know, on that that processing, you know, that that I want to check in on um like my word reading speed, because that was that's something I've been working on a lot. Um, and so I have new questions for the for the evaluator. Um, Because they already know, like, oh, this is a curiosity exercise. This is a discovery exercise. And that's funny because I call it, like, the mind mapping. I've not used the construction. So so I'm like, it's so cool. We can learn all these things in a mind map. But that works perfectly with with what I'm now going to add in talking about (laughs) the construction stuff that you come away with. I mean, I, as predicted, I could go on and on. I think this is such powerful. It's practical. It's hands-on great resources. Um, and we'll link other stuff for the listeners here for any way to find how you're doing and where you're doing it and in what form, um, because these are also ongoing conversations. For yeah. Parents. And I'll tell you, I have a, a parent book under, um, under construction. It's, um, expected early, um, next uh, in 2023 um and you can pre-order it right now um and so it's um the parents can there's a a workbook i developed to help walk kids through this conversation and parents can now um purchase that book for their child and there's a, um, a parent guide that goes along with it that walks you through this process with ideas and kind of typical highways and construction zones for adhd autism and dyslexia um, so those are, are coming really soon and hopefully will be really helpful for parents to be able to have these conversations with their child. Can you, what's, can you tell us the name? Are you allow? Uh, what, what, you, did you say the name of the book, the workbook? Yeah. So the book is the parent's guide to explaining. Okay. And there's one for ADHD, one for autism and one for dyslexia. And it comes with a brain building book, which is a workbook for your child 
with cool illustrations and place to places to write in their unique characteristics. Um, and I'm hoping it's going to be a really fun way to like structure that conversation wow. and make it really real well, for kids. Thank you so much, Dr. And I would love to have you back to actually even delve into some of those specific areas that you yeah. just mentioned. And I'm so glad that this is getting out there because it's with all due respect to evaluators everywhere. I used to do them by, you know, like this is a, it's a, it's a key piece in, in the utility. It's a key piece in, in, in making what we did was so painstakingly, right? The hours that go into these things, the thoughts, the way that, that we as evaluators try to make sure we're delivering the best way to understand this kid. But, it, but it, this is such a critical piece in turning it into Tuesday at school and helping kids <laughs> Kids feel I more successful at the end Turning of the day. Turning it into Tuesday. Well, right? And, and I always say that at the end of the day, when kids have, have you know, differential learning paths or whatever, we just, we want them to love learning and, and like, well, love, like learning and love themselves, right? At the end of the day, or love learning and themselves. And this is what, what helps kids feel and parents feel feel prepared to navigate some of these systems that aren't always uh, well-designed for kids who do have some of these differences. So it's really meant to be strength-based and strength-building and team-building um, for folks. So thank you so much for having this, uh, these, these big nuggets, not even little nuggets, those were, those were big nuggets. I appreciate you joining today. Awesome, it was really fun to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much. All right, well, thanks for listening today. Just a quick note here at the end to say I am so glad you joined, and I hope you are too. And if you'd like to connect with me more, come take a look at my website, www.drlaraanderson.com. There you can join my newsletter, keep in touch, and find out what is in the works. You can also join me for coffee and conversation uh, and Facebook at Common Cord Psychology Services. So check me out those places and I look forward to further connection. I'm glad you were here today.